0: Oscar poker
1: effort before we go to france um oh and um i um, wanted to uh to just share a little bit about uh um <clears throat> the uh, well we might as well start with the big news of the weekend right Phil? which is that um the first summer movie has uh really uh, uh knocked out of the park uh, fast five 86.5 million domestic and 165 worldwide and so do you have any theories um uh, no
2: I well agree. it was uh, you know. yeah 83.6 domestic um and yeah but your worldwide numbers, right uh yeah i mean the, the word of mouth is insanely good for this thing uh because l- looking at saturday we thought it was going to do somewhere in the ballpark of you know between maybe 76 mm-hmm. you know to, to 79 mm-hmm. and now for the number to come out today is 83.6 that's you know that rarely happens something like that so it it, it's a clear sign that it popped up in a big way on, you know, Saturday and really held up um, and everything like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's great to see because, like I said, now now people will shut up about, you know, there won't be those articles anymore about people have stopped going to the movies, blah, 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 blah. You know, the, uh-huh. it was clear that audiences were hungry for something and this kind of popcorn, you know, easygoing, you know, fair, and, and they got it. So, um, yeah. You know, you want to get into opinions on the movie or, you know, we can do we can do that. I know you're not a fan,
1: Jeff. There's no basis for anyone who loves cinema to be a fan of this movie. You can wave it off and say that it's, you know, it satisfies a certain high throttle, t- high testosterone, uh, you know, homosexual subcurrent thing that people want to see okay you know i didn't i didn't go into it uh, uh or i should say come out of it uh, uh consumed by 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 sputtering rage but it's really a a second rate film that that just does not allow and doesn't encourage doesn't get into your bloodstream with what uh, what all uh, uh, red-blooded uh, action fans love, which is that you want to really feel the fun of it. You know, you want to feel the juice. And it is so ludicrous and so off-the-ground ridiculous that it just blocks you. It says, no, you cannot, and we will not let you enjoy this film the way uh, a good action film, you know, m- makes you feel. We, we're not doing it, man. You know, we're blocking it. We're, we are on another planet. And, uh, you know... I don't get it. I really really don't get it because I love action films as much if not more than most of the people out there that are going to see this thing and saying it's great. So
2: yeah, I mean from the first scene you know that they're they're completely throwing logic out the window because there's absolutely no way that anybody would survive what happened in that first scene. You know what I mean? With the bus flips over. I mean, come on. So they they, they actually had a us.
1: news person say, you know, surprisingly, not one, you know, no no nobody hurt. And yet um, uh, Vin Diesel, of course, is the only one who got away. Why don't they just say, you know, a lot of people got hurt and uh, more than a few guys got away, including Vin Diesel or, or something. Why don't they just try and massage it a little bit so that at least we're not offended by the by the absurdity of what they're saying. But they keep doing it with a straight face. They do not quit. And they keep hitting you with, this is absurd. This is horseshit. And we're going to keep hitting you with this. And yet... There's lots of visual energy and lots of kapow editing, and it's going to be very fast. You know, when they're um, jumping from one favela, tin shack to the other, uh, those, those, you know, and, and there's one um, small home that has a tin roof that doesn't hold, I think, Vin Diesel's weight. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've been to Mexico. I know what these houses. Nothing is believable. Nothing. It's just all defies um, reality as anyone with the experience of a 12-year-old knows, you know, and and that's, you know, in a way kind of the thing, because it's, we are past a point where people have any belief in a movie because it resembles what it would be like to be in a car chase, to try and drag a huge vault around this, you know, and it's all about, um, you know, computer video game reality it's 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 completely nobody cares except me apparently that it has that you can't get into it if because you couldn't actually do this if you were let's say you know doing what these people are up to um uh action wise um in the film it's it's completely divorced and nobody cares including I'm sure most of your friends, Phil, uh, Sasha, do you, 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 have a lot of people that have friends that have seen it and everybody's having a more or less good time. I seem to be the only sourpuss, but I can't stand shit like
3: this.
0: No, it's not. It's not in my friend zone at all. Nobody that I know would want to go see it. So that doesn't really tell, although I did try to sell the idea that women were into it. Um, Phil, did you find any, any um, evidence of that? Did it turn out that women also liked, liked the movie?
2: yeah I mean, I saw it at midnight and the the crowd was I mean it was I'd say still you know three quarters male, but there was a you know a good mix of of women in there and, and they were going with it you know because it there is a lot that appeals to, to women in it and um, you know Jordana Brewster actually has a bigger chunk of the movie and there's a, a plot a, a side plot with her and being pregnant. And everything. I don't. I don't think that's. No. A similar, wait a minute.
1: Come on. Right? Let's be honest here. There's not a plot. They just say she's pregnant. They have a moment where Vin Diesel says, "Oh yeah," and, and they hug each other. And you know,
2: that there not a plot. They just mention it. They just throw it in there. Well, no, because I mean, in fact, there's into a lot of the action scenes and everything. It, it's not something they just you know mention and then toss aside. I mean, they have a couple scenes that address it. Um, so I mean, but yeah, it's 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 weak. I'll give you that. You know, it's not as strong as it. As it could be, you know, You know, good
1: plotting if you wanted to actually use the fact that she's pregnant and she therefore doesn't want to do something or or, you know, you could use that clearly and, and weave it into the story and, and make it part of a motivation. It's it's about as thin as these kind of
2: things get. Yeah. Well there's no time for it in a movie like this, you know. Mm-hmm. I guarantee if Justin Lin tried to, to work more of that in to, you know, mm-hmm. give some kind of a, a real emotional weight and, and ground the movie in something, mm-hmm. the the studio would have cut it in a heartbeat. You know, there there's no way something like that, that can be allowed to exist in a, a big blockbuster entertainment like mm-hmm. this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So um so it is what it is. I mean people love it, you know, and I, I fed off the, the energy of the audience. I mean, that's why I intentionally didn't want to see it with a, a you know, immediately. You know, because at least watching a crappy movie with people that are enjoying it, it's, you know, there's, it's intoxicating. You go with it a little bit. You, I, I still didn't like it, but I, I helped me get through it.
1: You know, this reminded me, this movie of, because of, of the ludicrousness of it. Uh, I, I once talked to, when I was uh, friends with Dave Poland, I was talking about Dave Poland uh, where there would be, it'd be great to, to amp up, an action movie and throw all elements in to the point that it it really, really clobber you, clobbers you with the absurdity of it. I'm talking about a movie like Fast Five, but you add earthquakes and you add cartoon characters, you know, like uh, uh, Roger Rabbit. Uh, you have dinosaurs come out of the sea like Godzilla's, you know, breathing fire. You have every single element you could possibly imagine. We, we have destruction. We have, you know... Uh, uh, you know, just really th- throw it in and be absolutely—you know—don't take uh, all the stops off, and and just try and uh, say by doing this, do you see how undiscriminating uh, the action and sensation genre is? There's when, once you go in this direction, there's there's absolutely—you know—nobody has any uh, standards, nobody has any taste. I feel I'm boring myself talking about this.
0: <laughs> well, I could I could say also that. Um I've sort of going through the same thing this year with the Oscar race, thinking about that and the divide between the movies audiences love and, and, you know, the the very specific movies that try to do something different and say something different and, you know, shake up, shake up the uh, industry a little bit. But and it's really the same. I mean, what we are talking about with box office and general audience, it really does now kind of apply and maybe always has to the Oscar race, you know. So I'm, the same depression, depression you feel, Jeff, about these blockbusters is, is a lot of what, um, what I'm sort of going through with the post, you know, King's speech <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and now sort of facing the new year and realizing that, you know, you really have to think of it as two worlds. You can't think of it as, it's the same with the box office. You have to think of it as two worlds, you know, and and unfortunately it sounds like such a cliche, and you're right. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of talking about it, but it really is true, and it'll probably always be true that there are audience movies, you know, and then there are movies for people who love movies, cinema. And yet it, it
1: has happened. It happens, and it has happened. I remember going... Uh, I don't think it sounds too dated to say. I remember uh, the very first time I saw The Silence of the Lambs in 91, was that? 90 or 91? Okay. And I realized within 15 minutes, this is a huge hit. This is going to, this really works. And I could feel that the whole audience was getting on my on my level. And I took my, uh, I was married at the time, I took my wife to it. And she hated being submitted to this kind of thing. Got really upset because it was so effective and it took off and then the oscar thing everything happened that does happen it has it does happen occasionally where the the crowd feels the same way you do about a really good film i mean it does, it does. kick in every now and then but yeah. so rarely, so infrequently Most of the time, it's, it's like As Sasha described, it's what You know, it's, you don't think these films are good You know what a good film is And then there's what the mob likes and, and what the mob like is so Such a diminished and not good enough And not well put together enough thing But it doesn't matter And everybody's happy and it's delightful Because we have a vibrant theatrical thing I want to see a, f- a vibrant theatrical You
2: know, a picture I don't want to see theaters going away Obviously, so yeah. Well, no, that's a good point that you bring up, and I think you know, too often when when a project's developed, it's either okay, are we going to go after the masses, or are we going to go for the you know art house, you know snooty, you know movie lover crowd? They they can overlap with something like Science of Lambs, which has the courage to um, you know be unique and be well made and not spoon feed anything, but then at the same time, it delivers the kind of thrills that, you know, the average movie goer can get into. You sure. can pull both off. Yeah. But I think it's just laziness that it is. It, that it's one.
1: harder to put together something that you can swallow and buy. I mean, I am so at a, a movie like this, if they would just do the work and make it kind of work, I am so there and I don't have a word to say about it. And I'll probably go to see it twice and pay, you know, the whole, right? Everybody else, but they don't, they didn't do the work here. So, yeah. And by the way how do you have uh, 83 uh, uh, Nikki think this morning had 86
2: she's wrong you're saying and your figures are from the studio so yeah so, I'm, okay I'm 100% she might not have updated yet but right. yeah I'll double yeah it's uh, yeah 83 I'm looking at the email from universal 83.6 so okay. yeah that's All what it right. is at right now okay um,
0: so that's pretty so, insane right i mean yeah. it's like oh, ridiculous absolutely. yeah so is that is that going to stop everybody saying movies aren't making money anymore and nobody's going to the theater? Is this now finally people are going to start talking about box office success again because yeah. of this?
2: Yeah, because basically, I mean, every weekend there's going to be a new hit now and, and people are going to shut up. And then there's, a, there's still a big gap between, you know, uh, where 2011 is right now for mm-hmm. the year and 2010. But right. like I said, that's all because of Avatar and Alice in Wonderland. So once Mm. that gap starts closing more, then people will stop talking about it. And, you know, next week you have um, Thor, you know, already, and that's going to be huge too. So it's, um, and then at the end of May, it's Hangover 2 and Kung Fu Panda. It's just one thing after the other. Yeah.
0: Well, Thor is going to be really huge, right? Because it's got good (laughs) word of mouth in addition to just being one of these silly movies that (laughs) anybody will go see. I mean, the thing about Fast Five is that, yeah, these are the if you drive if you ever decide to go to a movie down in Van Nuys, the Man Plant. It's all the way down on Van Nuys Boulevard, way, 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 way down there, like in Panorama City area, like really. Why fun. do you say
1: down there? Isn't that north?
0: Oh, I guess I guess when I say go down Van Nuys Boulevard, I guess it really does mean go nor- go north, yeah, toward the mountains. Or go up. Go up. <laughs> no, it's not going up.
1: But you're going in a northerly direction. You certainly can't mean going down. I go to go down to San Diego because it's kind of down south, you know, <laughs> to the south of where we are.
0: <laughs> but what if you're head, <laughs> if you're headed in the other direction? You, you mean you would say I'm going to head up Van Nuys Boulevard? Maybe yeah, that's the up. right way. Yeah. Boy, yeah. I'm really batting a thousand, aren't I? <laughs> 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 I made such a, a gross mistake on Twitter last week. I'm still so embarrassed about it. I, I tweeted. I was trying to get ahead of the news, and I was talking about the White House correspondence Dinner correspondance A N C E and not E N T S. And then Ann Thompson retweeted it. <laughs> she's got <laughs> she's got like nine thousand followers. <laughs> so of course it I just felt like such a fool. And I'll I will never make, you know, a careless mistake like that. And then now I'm talking to you and I'm yeah. making yet another careless mistake. So yeah. apologies, listeners, for being illiterate.
1: <laughs> so uh, when it was reported um, by a friend of mine who is based in Boston, who reported that the Thor screening, the all media screening, uh, which was had been scheduled for the uh, this coming week, Tuesday, I believe it was, it was in you know standard all medium uh, or, or local medium, uh, they tra- they decided to make it a um, Saturday morning screening. Instead, with mm-hmm. family audiences, which um, you know, obviously says means that it's, it's you know it's, when it's, when they bring in the family crowd, there it means that it's uh, it's a, a different quantity than something that would be screened in the evening. Right. So, do you think that uh, do you know anybody who's seen it? Either of you?
2: Or? Yeah, I mean, the, we have the review up. Um, I think Pete Hammond did the review for us, and he he. It's up now. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um and I don't get the impression that Paramount's trying to hide it at all because it's it's already playing internationally. Um yeah. it's already up to like I just saw the the numbers today. Um I forget what they're at mm-hmm. internationally, but so there's there's no way that they're hiding it. And the the word I'm hearing is that it's mm-hmm. a pretty solid chunk of, you know, entertainment, which I'm not surprised because I don't think Kenneth Branagh would do something like this if he didn't feel like he could bring something new and interesting to it. So I'm I'm actually kind of excited to see it. I'm yeah. hearing actually uh, better yeah. than
0: that. I'm hearing really, really good um mm-hmm. word of mouth for for this movie. And Jeff, do you have the invite for Tuesday? Is that the one you're going to Tuesday night?
1: Uh yeah, I believe it is, yes.
0: Hmm. So it seems like uh, yeah,
1: so- I, I, I too, for what it's worth. I, I, I've I've heard it's not too bad. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah. But I'm not I'm certainly not hearing like Bleh. You know, but but I just wonder why that why do they do if it's not too bad, why would they make the statement of inviting
2: critics to kid screenings on Saturday morning? So I wouldn't worry about that too much. I mean not to, you know, knock Boston, but if they if they did that in New York or LA, then I think you should worry about it. But it's in the little, a, the lesser markets is where yeah, they did that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be too concerned about something like that. It could just be a scheduling quirk or you know they
1: they, they deliberately decided to have the critics take in this movie with a younger crowd that's why they're doing it it's not a scheduling quirk or a mistake
2: well i i just say don't read into it too much because i think if you saw it like i said if if new york and la i mean you guys are seeing it tuesday that's a pretty standard thing for a blockbuster if if they were doing it you know a wednesday Mm-hmm. screening during the day or something or even holding off till thursday you know then okay that's cause for concern but
1: also uh, finally see uh uh bridesmaids on monday mm. at the arc light are you going to go to that sasha That's that might be pretty good from what i'm
0: hearing. well I, I tell you i'd rather see bridesmaids than thor i have no interest in seeing another like comic book movie but i and I feel like I have to see it because everybody, you know, is sort of saying that it at least at the very least it'll be an art direction contender and mm-hmm. um you know who knows what else visual effects uh, costume these these movies they all hit the same category <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but so yeah maybe I'll, I'll see it for that reason but Bridesmaids actually looks funny and like yeah. something that I would really like.
1: Christian Wig is supposed to be really good at this uh, not just you know being uh, uh, smarty pants and funny but uh, a pretty decent performance and somebody was saying way back at, during uh, South by Southwest in Austin that, that he would be surprised if she's not uh, amongst the you know best comic performance at the Golden Globes it's one of those you know, she's she's good from what he said. So I'm
2: hmm, looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean a big part of that would be if you know, it has to hit commercially. You know, and I I think if it if it makes money then the mm-hmm. Golden Globes will feel like okay, we should we should recognize this. And we actually just upped our prediction this weekend. We were we were below we were hovering at like fifteen opening weekend and we're up to seventeen now with like a we're thinking almost like a sixty million dollar queue. Um, so a, yeah, the word of mouth that we're, or not the word of mouth, the buzz that we're hearing, you know, for this one is is starting to get, you know, it's starting to grow and it's really starting to pick up some momentum. <laughs> so, Have they had
1: uh, word of mouth screenings or are they showing it to people what, based upon what just the trailer, you mean?
2: No. Yeah. And then the Facebook activity, what we're seeing on Twitter, you know, those, those kind of things. Cause that's, that's all starting to pick up now, you know, cause we're, um, it's almost, yeah, it's two weeks out, you know, it's two weeks. It opens May 13th, so. You know what I, I'm embarrassed to say? I said in the column, but I'm
1: embarrassed to admit that I, that the uh, Transformers 3 doesn't look too bad based upon the most recent trailer for that. Have you seen that?
2: Oh, God. Wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised that would be your reaction. Why, why, why do you come out like that? Like
1: because that? it starts, it uses the,
2: uh,
1: you know, the the uh, the, the moon, um uh, Leo Armstrong back in the 60s <laughs> and uh, and it uh, has a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, celestial alien attacks and a lot of it just looks um nocturnal you know that, that that's kind of the, the, the it's just there's something about the way it's cut together and the the visuals it doesn't uh, I I think that they've kind of openly acknowledged I didn't like the first one either but they said the second one really didn't uh, wasn't uh, they didn't do justice to what the film should have been and this is, uh, and you know, Michael Bay, is. In a, in a, if you want to step back and forget about that, he, he's ph- philosophically, spiritually, a nowhere person from what you can tell. He's basically just about delivering the whammo effect. But he is good at that stuff. And uh, I could s- envision there's something about the way that trailer was cut together made me consider that I might be able to watch this and just kind of have not too bad a time.
2: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I I personally have no problem with Michael Bay because he knows what he is. You know, he doesn't make yeah. any kind of attempt to be anything else. And he he does. You know, so he, sometimes he hits, sometimes he doesn't. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, all of his movies at least have some action scenes that are you know mind blowing. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he really knows how to stage things. So you know, What but are the people, other you know, the, the nerd culture likes to bash him? You know. But what are you gonna do? What do you believe or expect
1: it's going to happen with the beaver when it opens uh, I know it's limited so it's not really I guess you can't really calibrate it yet uh, It doesn't expand until May 20th but do you have any uh,
2: sense yeah of- i I saw it last week and I'm really I have mixed feelings about it. I mean I don't think it's very commercial um, you know I don't think it's something that mainstream audiences are really gonna respond to because um, it's it's a it really is a you know a dark comedy and it'll go right over a lot of people's heads. Did you um, see it, Sasha, or had a chance to
0: No, catch it? I, I got invited to finally got invited to a screening, but it'll be when I'm away in Cannes, oh. so you won't be able to do it. But um
1: But it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be opening of course here. But um wouldn't they have a a screening this week for um, those of us leaving at the end of the week?
0: I don't know. I mean if I told them that I was going to Cannes and, and I'm sure right. if they want me to see it they'll they'll find a way. Um
1: are you going to stop in New York? Or are you going straight there?
0: I'm going straight. I changed my plans. So, and I—I right. I didn't tell you. I'm bringing Emma with me. Oh, up.
1: that's wonderful! <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> she's having a she's having kind of a hard time with me leaving, and so I figure I'll just take her one time so she can see what it's like, and then she won't want to come again. <laughs>
1: that is so great. Now, what's she uh, going to do? You know, what she's you not going to do, do ha-
0: anything. She's going to have to just do her homework. And but you, but know. you have
1: to uh, get her um, a um, a pass to the American. I can't do that.
0: Oh, the what? American Pavilion. Yes. She's too yes. young. She can't go in there. 12, Why not? 13 years old. But it's I've like seen younger kids in there.
1: Why can't you go in?
0: I think it's like a bar, isn't it? I mean, don't you have to be over a certain age? I, I don't think kids can go in there.
1: Aren't there more come see, come saw about that in France? it's not like people are stumbling around getting drunk it's just a place where you can get a glass of wine or a beer so what
0: i know well no she's gonna hang out there and and then i'll just take some time to walk around with her a little bit here and there you know i mean she's gonna be
1: she's she needs to be in, in a place like that because at least she'll be able to look at the sea and, you know, uh, watch people and hang out with her. She has a laptop, yeah. right? And yeah. She can hang out and, uh, and then she can leave. And if she has a little pass, she'll, she can get past the gate, you see. And they give you a pass if you have an American pavilion thing. So yeah. it's really worth it to have that.
0: Right. Is this I, the I first understand.
2: time she's flying internationally?
0: No, no, no. We we go to Italy a lot. We've been to Paris and mm. stuff. But um, I, I don't want her to, to be walking around by herself. It's the only thing. So...
2: She, where's she um, gonna
1: to do? Stay at the place in the yeah. La Suque and just sit inside,
0: <laughs> like a That's dog kind of like that some I'll some have to come terms. home and walk.
1: Walk the dog. I told her in, in that 10 was hours, the no. Stay in the apartment. Don't. <laughs>
0: <read>. <laughs> <laughs> that was the deal. I mean, I told her that. You know, this But is... she's
1: she's twelve.
0: She's a tweener. She's a tweener. I know. Well, she's very <laughs> introspective she tweener. She likes to sketch and listen to. <laughs> it's like that novel flowers in the attic (laughs) did you ever read that book where those kids were forced to live in the attic for their whole (laughs) lives no um it's only 10 days she'll be fine you know she's used to me you know we've lived our whole lives together so she's used to me working and she's used to doing her own thing so she's very easily um uh, occupied with her own staff reading and she loves to read and do the computer and you know, and I'll be. I remember last year, I wasn't always gone. You know, I would have spent more time at my bed and breakfast if I had Wi-Fi there, but I didn't. If you're so.
1: at screenings and and filing, you can maybe file uh, a, a response or a review at the American Pavilion and hang out with her there.
0: Not at the you American know? Pavilion, but I can certainly. How far is Los Suecat from where the the main areas are? How how far is it? It's
1: about a you know ten twelve minute
0: walk. Oh, it's not bad. That's what I had last time, so that's fine. I'm just going to make it work, you know, I don't really have a choice now. So, but um
1: But you do. I I I really I mean, I I brought my son and he was, you know, 19 at the time.
0: Well, it's uh, different, right?
1: And and uh or not 19, 18. And uh he was bored to tears. I mean, and and he had the uh, the option of going into the I bought him American Pavilion pass and he was just wandering around, you know. <laughs> but that's like that's got to be rough. There's not a lot to
0: do in um, Can when if you can't go to the movies and stuff. There's just nothing to do. But and is
1: the, the least the beautiful walking up and down and seeing everything, you
0: yeah. know. She she yeah. should be fine. She'll be fine. I mean, I'll have to just, you know, take her out a couple times, you know, maybe once a day.
3: <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I
0: Might did well everything be, you're, you're I bring could. A leash? I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I did everything I could to talk her out of it. Yeah. I swear to god, she just did not want <laughs> to but right. and uh-huh. so now she'll have to see what it's like and then next year she'll
1: well if if it's any uh help, i mean if you want um i mean you should uh like at least uh bring her to the gathering you know uh on uh on, she's gonna come with us on the drive
0: if she wants to if she's not too tired she might just be too tired so we'll see it's gonna be a long flight you know one of those yeah. where you have to connect in Paris and, you know, <laughs> up in the middle so of the night. So I'm only here I... in
1: France for one time at the Cannes Film Festival. And we're going to go look at all the beautiful um, little towns up in the hills and have a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You know what? I think I want to take a nap instead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're 12, things are different. You don't have the... Um... You
1: know what I was like at 12? I couldn't be held back. I hated being asked to stay home Uh, whenever it was like, my I hated being told to stay inside and, you know, just chill out. I always wanted to go out. I think that's the,
0: yeah. She's not like that though. She's different from, from you in that way. She, she definitely is fine staying and, you know, listen, kids are growing up in a whole different way now, Jeff. They have, they have the internet, they have Facebook, they have YouTube, they have, you know, it's just a whole different scene than it was when we were kids.
1: And so they don't want to see real life. They want to stay inside and look at computer
0: screens. I'm sure they're fine seeing real life, but it's not like (laughs) when I drove her, when I walked her around to all those museums in Paris, it's not like that was like the most exciting thing she'd ever done in her life. Oh, well,
1: no, I understand. I totally relate to that. Uh, I think that all kids, anybody younger, is going to have a problem with going to a museum. Yeah. Uh, it, no matter how uh, it, it, there's something about museums; it's just too contemplative. You know, you don't get to do enough. You feel like you're diminished on some level because all the energy and all the majesty is on the walls, and you're just there to watch it. I mean, kids have a tough time with that. You need to be yeah. older to really. But appreciate
0: if she's it. if she's up for it, I'll bring her with us, and so she can see how beautiful it is up there. You know, <laughs> might be fun. Who knows? Especially if we bring those little Dan- Danish people with us.
1: <laughs> those three oh they're actually from i believe uh no i can't remember is it norway or sweden norway. but i said i said to those guys it sounded like it's a little crowded three of you in the back seat how about two and then we'll be in the front seat and they said no no we're you got to take us uh, as a group three or nothing
3: <laughs> <And so laughs> that's
1: what that's i said so
3: uh,
1: i didn't say anything but i thought you know i just wanted to you know they were uh, happy to Share car rental costs, and it would have been fine. I would have liked it, but I just thought three was too many guys.
0: Yeah, yeah it depends on what kind of car, but yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I wasn't thinking on getting a SUV. SUV. I was kind of be, be economical and <laughs> getting smaller cars.
0: <laughs> um, well, well, we'll definitely have to, to coordinate when when we get closer to the date um, for that. So.
1: Well, all right, so uh, is there anything else that's going to open next week, uh, Phil? That, that uh, there, everything There's so many limited films, quite a few. When you look at Hobo the Shotgun comes out limited. Uh, gee, I don't even know what Haunted 3D is. Does anybody
2: know anything about that? Just a very low-key 3D movie. But yeah, there are, there are, you know, so yeah, you have Hobo with the Shotgun and, and The Beaver, you know, are both going to be. Have you seen movie. Hobo yourself? No, actually, I haven't seen that yet. Um, is it worth, you know, is it worth checking out? It's like,
1: um, it's a, uh, you know, kind of, uh, in quotes, a, a kind of a grind, grindhouse like experience. The idea is to make you feel that you're kind of watching a seventies grindhouse movie. Okay. Uh, uh, I didn't like machete, so I think I'll, and it's also like, um, Hustle and Flow. God, that yeah. was that was uh, had a kind of a self-conscious 70s title vibe. And the color is a little lurid. It looks a little low, deliberately downgraded. And I met the director at a, at a get together at Sundance. And uh, Rutger Howard was very impressed and said, this guy really knows what he's doing. But he's a, uh, he's a genre wallower who doesn't care really about the uh, minutiae, about making these films work. You know, it's a it's a, it's a sloppily made film that it wallows too much in the feel of it, and it doesn't. It it takes its time, and it's uh, it gradually gets there. And and like I was saying way back when, it's such a great idea the idea of a uh, of a person who has nothing, who's at the very bottom of society, going and on some level uh, taking out uh, society's you know expressing social rage at the haves, particularly in this age in which there's such the gap between the haves and the middle class and the have-nots is greater than uh, any time since the Roman Empire, if, if not. Uh, you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's we're we're, we're seeing uh, wealth concentrated at, at levels that that really have not ever been seen in this country since what the eighteen nineties. When was the last time there was that the, the robber baron era? You know, yeah. um, so that's such a rich idea, and it's completely ignored.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, those movies don't do it for me. I mean, I think an hour and a half of, you know, winking at the audience and mm-hmm. saying, Hey, isn't this like a does yeah. this remind you of a movie from the seventies? It yeah. just bores me to tears. Yeah, so, yeah, I have no interest in really going to see that. I mean Um
0: <laughs> Jeff, so I saw that you had, had, had you've done you did the Warren Beatty screening of Reds and you saw the the Q and A with um Warren Beatty and Alec Baldwin.
1: With much difficulty. Yes.
0: Oh yeah. Can you talk about a little bit about that? I saw some of it written on your site, but I'd love to hear more.
1: Well, it's been explained to me, you know, Pete um, Hammond is a uh, – he's kind of part of the family because they have him do Q&As and he has a platinum pass and going to all the – he's doing a couple of – he's doing a uh, panel later today about sequels with Brett Ratner and um, and, uh, Peter Gruber. And uh, so he's – uh, basically, it explains their attitude. The Turner Classic Movies uh, Festival, which is a very popular, very well attended festival. It's very cool because you know if you go to say the Arrow Theater and see uh, an older film, and they have very good uh, projection, uh, you'll see if depending upon how uh, popular and how uh, you know basic the appeal is, you'll see maybe half of the theater filled up. You'll see, you know it'll be a decent crowd. This is big crowds. We're talking about big theaters. And e- almost every seat filled, ninety percent uh, capacity, uh, eighty-five, ninety percent, and and sometimes higher. So it's pretty uh, pretty thrilling to see these movies looking fairly good, not mm. great, but fairly good. Um, so for anyone who, who you know enjoys, uh, seeing, and I mean, there's some films like I haven't seen at all, like Written on the Wind with Haley Mills. I've never. That's a pretty good one with Alan Bates that I. Mm. Uh, that's playing. Uh, well, as we speak, so I can't see it, but there's a lot of stuff going on. So it's it's got wonderful uh, options. But what happened uh, last night is that they're it's it's uh, they're a little too. Um, I don't think they care that much about the press. And as Pete was explaining, uh, it's like Telluride because Telluride is really about the people who pay for the tickets. Mm. It's about the film fans. It's really not about catering to press. If you can, you know, buy your own ticket to Telluride and buy your own pass. I mean and get to these things fine but they don't let you come in for q a's you kind of have to be there at the beginning i wasn't i had to beg and plead and make trouble before they would let me uh come in at the end of the show to watch A Q&A between alec baldwin and martin Beatty, right, which is pretty right. interesting and i tweeted about it but they wouldn't let me in and they said unless you had come in at the beginning i have a nice press pass and they said you can't come in you can't go in unless you come in for the beginning i said but You see, I'm trying to be economical or at least smart with my time. I've seen Reds about six or seven times when you count the theatricals plus the Blu-ray and everything else. So I don't really need to see it again. And I'd love to, you know, you, make use of my time to see other things and then come over here and say, like, I can't, got there about 40 minutes before it started and asked if I could just slip in. And they said, well, there's no seats. You know, it's, it's already started. It's a closed house. Well, of course there are seats. And I knew that without looking because there always are. And then when I finally got in, of course, there was about 20 or 25 seats uh, open. Uh, they're just a pain in the neck. I didn't really like dealing with them. I don't like mm-hmm. their uh, – they, they, you know, why issue a pass, press pass? If you don't want press to cover it, to some extent, now, they have a rule about no photography during these gatherings. What they mean is no flash photography, no obtrusive photography that's going to, you know, distract from the from the currency of the conversation and, you know, kind of – but if you have a little thing like I do, a little tiny cannon that doesn't make any noise and just a little thing, you just snip it, it doesn't make any difference. It's not going to get in anybody's way, but they don't allow that. Um, they didn't like that I was twittering when when Warren Beatty was talking, because yeah, I and some guy said, you know, would you turn the sound down? Okay, you know, fine. But you know, I wasn't making any noise. It's just a little tiny sound when you send a Twitter. It goes, you know, that that was it. And they were complaining about that. You couldn't. I didn't have the key the keystroke thing on. You couldn't hear that. It was. It just struck me as I don't like these people. I don't like the these guys with these big heavy physiques and these mustaches and ties looking at me like I'm some kind of bad person for being pressed. I, I just, you know, I, I have a bad taste in my mouth. I oh, think it's, it's too very, bad. You know, bad. I'm glad they're going, but I don't like it. And it was not, uh, if I were one of those people buying the $500 pass, you know, uh, which is what they sell. And I think a lot of people are coming out of town for this. It's, it's, it's a very nice thing that older films are being seen by lots of people and it's being... Run efficiently, but it's not really for people like me, I guess. I mean, I, it's they're very nice and gracious to have given me a pass and allow me to go in. That is great. And I'm not trying to be shit about this. I'm trying to just say it wasn't, it's not very pleasant when you're trying to make use of your time in a smart way because they block you from going in mm-hmm. needlessly for no reason, just because oh. they're jerks. So.
0: Yeah, either because they're jerks or because people complain. I paid $500 for this, and there was some guy in the fourth row doing it, you know.
1: Yeah, but listen, it, it's just what theaters are like. Someone is always going to the bathroom or coming in. Someone's always going to get a drink or bring egg, fresh popcorn. There's always something going on. This is, you know, it's not like a screening room. It's Sony where nobody does anything. You know, it's always like that. So.
0: Okay, so what about Alec Baldwin and Warren Beatty? What were they like?
1: Uh, Warren Beatty had a few interesting things to say. I uh, the, thought the best line. I put the Twitter. He said about his four kids. He said they're like four small Middle Eastern countries,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: which I thought was a good line. Yeah. And he said also that making a movie is like vomiting.
0: Oh God!
1: You don't want to vomit, but you also know you may feel better if you do. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm looking at your tweets now. And I I see he regurgitated the whole, uh, you know, I'm going to make another movie, maybe several. He's been saying that since he got the (laughs) Golden Globe, uh, you know— Career Achievement Award. What's the alternative? I'm not going to make any
1: more movies. I'm over. People won't fund my movies because they know that if they do get in bed with me on a business level, that it's going to cost cost much more because I'm very exacting and I tend to take a long time. And you know, I'm not just I'm not Clint Eastwood. You know, I don't just like shoot it and go and because that's why Clint Eastwood keeps working. His money's his movies have made money and he's fast and he gets it done and he doesn't mess around. He just boom goes right, right in there and right. does it. And that's his signature, and that's one of the reasons, trust me, why that he keeps getting uh, funding for his next film. His next film is what? Um, a Star is Born? Is that what they
2: said? Uh, well, Yeah. Uh, well, I think he just uh, – is he finished with J. Edgar, I think? Oh, I, I meant after yeah. he finishes the J. Yeah. Edgar one, the next one. Yeah, I think it's um, – yeah, the with Beyonce.
1: Yeah. That is the, the worst idea I've ever heard. I mean, do, <laughs> can you imagine anything worse than a
2: Beyonce Star Born with Clint Eastwood? I just think it sounds awful. It's a strange combination. I'm not ready to write it off yet, but it's really out there.
1: Why know? is it? Why is it a moving story that a that people, a guy who's on his way down due to alcohol, due to a you know personal problem, uh, you know, why is it moving? I just don't. I, I feel that you have choices. You have to kind of be tough about things. You got to like decide. Am I going to survive? And if I'm, I'm going to survive, I can't be an alcoholic. That's it. I don't find it moving,
0: uh, you know, maybe because well, my father about was the, it's not public. Char- it's not about the male character. It's about the female character, A Star is Born. It's always an opportunity well, for them just to be, to diva out, you know, and to really sing with both Judy Garland but that's, and... But
1: that's what the heartache is, though. He's He helps her in the initial stages, and then his career goes down due to his issues, and she has to kind of decide, well, am I going to let this guy take me down, or am I going to, like, you know, separate myself? Because now that he's... You know, it's like, what, do, you, do you stand by loyalty or do you go and, 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 and do what's best for yourself? And the last line of the Judy Garland film with James Mason is she's she, uh, after he's dead, she announces that my name is Mrs. Norman Maine. Mm. Right?
0: And the same with the Barbra Streisand Chris Christopherson one.
1: <laughs> is that what she did? I don't remember. Well, okay.
0: it's as they say, Esther, Hoffman, Howard or whatever, you know, at the end. Um, boy, yeah. does that bring back childhood memories, that yeah. movie. But... um you know, it's just, I think, I always think of that scene in The Godfather where he says, you know, she was the best piece of ass I ever had, and I had him all over the world, you know, he, he grooms her, and, you know, there's just this this, I think they just, a lot of filmmakers can't let go of this idea of helping people on their way up, and then, you know... Losing them when they become successful—it's such an old story. It just seems yeah. like it's in almost every walk of life too. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. so it's universal. People can relate to it. Everybody mm-hmm. has that person that they feel like they helped, you know, get where they are, and then they just turn them, you know, then they become right. they eclipse them. Right. You know, that was so. a.
1: Department. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> big thing. Big thing big to thing, me. Big thing. Uh, we I didn't uh, mention this earlier, but I, I did discover it uh, yesterday, and I finally got around to posting it today. On Amazon, you can pre-order Tree of Life oh, Blu-ray right. and DVD via Amazon France for hmm. a July 15th release, which is about two months after it comes out. It comes out technically on May 17th uh, th- commercially on May in France. Huh? Oh, oh!
2: In France, okay. In France, yes. here it's not till May twenty
0: seventh. Yeah. Why? Why were you saying that it's sort of a, a wreck at this point? Like it's a, it's a shipwreck or it's a, it's.
1: I think it's uh, you know, um, I think we all kind of uh, have been debating and kicking around the idea of VOD 60 days after the initial theatrical release. It diminishes the value of a film in the – if you live in the hinterland somewhere to know that 60 days after it opens at your local plex in let's say Fayetteville, Arkansas or Mobile, Alabama or something, it's going to be available as a VOD in your home. And that's what the uh, exhibitors and a lot of the stars who have sided with the exhibitors are saying. We're undercutting the foundation of the movie business, which is still movie theaters, by doing this 60-day thing. Well, this is basically another form of that. 60 days after The Tree of Life opens on May 17th in Paris, it will be available as a DVD and Blu-ray, and they are now taking orders. Doesn't that diminish – uh, number one, it t- seems to diminish the whole Cannes Film Festival thing. I don't think I've ever uh, heard of a film being offered on Blue <laughs> on Amazon.com before it, it premieres <laughs> oh <laughs> at the my Cannes God. Film Festival. This is really a significant thing. It, it just struck me as like this is strange. You Do
0: know? you think they're trying to sell it before word gets out about it, or something? Or
1: it's, I think I mean, on some level, I can feel that they don't respect this thing. I, I don't think it would be offered like this. I mean, the the people at Icon who were to go by reports, that's why they wanted it out on May 4th. They wanted to get that first week of bang business that would come just from the idea of Brad Pitt and Sean Penn being in a movie by a famous director. They would That kind of business would, would mean something to Icon in England prior to it uh, playing at Cannes, which would be maybe sometime around the 12th or the 14th. I don't know when it's going to play, but... You know, I think that's what they had in mind. We can get a really uh, decent first week
2: before the the buzz gets around. So let's go for it. Yeah, yeah, this can't be a good sign. I mean, there's just no way. I mean, if they thought they had a winner, they could hold on and, and you know, really play for months in theaters, then they wouldn't be doing this, you know. Mm-hmm. So not good.
0: Not good. Oh, that's terrible to hear. That's awful. Well...
1: That they're offering it on Amazon, you're saying?
0: Well, what Phil is saying in, in that oh. he thinks that oh. if they had faith in the project, they wouldn't be doing this, you know, yeah. that they would, they would just hold out and see. But I guess their feeling is it, they have a better chance of making money before people start talking about it. That's right. Um, because there's so much anticipation right now. The expectations are so high out there, you know. Among who? Oh, just I don't know, film fans. I mean, we did a poll on our on my site about what uh, was the most anticipated movie, and that was number one by a mile. You know. Okay. Okay. Uh,
1: well, I can't. Uh, I can't uh, say that I feel as eager and interested. I have a feeling that it's going to be. I mean, I, there was a review that I found on IMDb that feels realistic to me. Feels honest. I don't think it's a, a lie. I don't think it's made up. That's what my gut is telling me. Um,
0: Well, the good ones are always made up and the bad ones aren't.
1: uh, This is a mix. And it says some things that I know are true. Like Sean Penn doesn't really have a co-starring role in this. He's kind of a face or a figure to hear it from what people have said. And with barely a line or two of dialogue.
0: Wow. No kidding.
1: That's what. Been said, like I am looking forward to being one of those people at Cannes, and um, and it's a good feeling when you know that you're right, you know. And if I think this movie is profound and 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 quite moving, and 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 uh, is is novel, and and you know something exceptional that really has to be seen, and you, and you really feel it, I can't wait for that to happen, and I want to be one of those people that. That that say that the exhibitors and the people that have been trashing this and this or that way are um, very very limited in what their ability to see and recognize great f- filmmaking, and that will be delightful if I can honestly feel that and say that. So I can't wait for the the moment, and I, I know you feel the same way, and we all do. You know, it's wonderful when you can really feel something, and really uh, <clears throat> express um, how profound and, and really good and exceptional this film
0: is. I have a feeling my, in, you know, my guess is that it's going to be a film like Solaris, like um, Steven Soderbergh's Solaris, where a few people really, really love it and get it, um, and then a lot of people don't.
1: Well, to be uh, really upsetting to me is that the thing that shocked me when I read this IMDb, IMDb review, he it said it's going to be very polarizing. And then he said something that just made made me fall on the floor. He said it's going to be polarizing in the same way that Antichrist was polarizing. Oh,
0: God, really? Here I am thinking Solaris, and we're talking Antichrist? Oh, dear God.
1: I don't think – he he means that on some level that either the dinosaurs or something is as jarring and makes you like, come on. There's something about the narration. There's a lot of whispered narration, you know, the way there was lots of narration in the thin – Red, red, line.
0: Yeah. red line. Well, you know, Manola Dargas will love it.
1: No, if she honestly loves it, she's ought to say it, and all power to her. You know, I mean, yeah. like I say, it's great when you feel it, and, and and there's none of this political. Well, let's be nice and let's be accommodating. And yeah, maybe it may be a little bit of a problem for you, but it's a good, worth worth seeing. You know, we, you can feel the effort to be
2: fair and balanced, and and not uh, condemnatory. I don't see how the Antichrist can, comparison can be true. I mean, Antichrist was polarizing because of the the graphic nature. You know, that I think that's why a lot of people were turned off by it. And I don't see that, the Tree of Life, having that. So, I, uh, Sasha, I think your Solaris thing might be more dead on. That's that's the vibe I'm getting from it, too, that it's just, you know, way too artsy and everything for mainstream digestion yeah Yeah. and that yeah exactly and
0: and and, you know opaque and esoteric i mean the the antichrist was offensive so if this isn't offensive um i don't see how you can make that comparison but if it is how interesting you know if it's
1: people what was the you were in the theater weren't you sasha the first time that everybody saw antichrist
0: i wasn't in the theater but i read on your site the reaction
1: when the tribute to Andre Konchalovsky – was it Konchalovsky or Tarkovsky? I've forgotten who. Tarkovsky. Yeah. Tarkovsky.
2: Uh,
1: people were started to really groan and laugh and howl at that point. You know, then it was oh, like God. talk back at that point. However, IFC Films being the smart marketers that they um, were and are, they use the, uh, you know, you have to laugh at it. You have to uh, kind of step back and see it as a kind of a comedic thing that you're even watching this film. They made that whole thing into a marketable, and they they made a little money out of that. So Mm. the only thing they didn't do, and I think that if I had done, I would definitely would have gotten foxes, little foxes that you pull a little string and it uh, it says, (laughs) uh, you know, What's the line? Chaos reigns. Chaos yeah, reigns. That, yeah,
2: that would have been. I would have bought that fox so fast. I would Absolutely. have it right with me. You know, I agree. Uh, percent. Mm, oh
0: my God. Well, so and how was Alec? Just to go to circle back a mm. little bit to Warren Beatty and Alec Baldwin. Um, how was Alec Baldwin on the Q and A? Was he was he funny or was he dead serious the yeah, whole time? Yeah, he was
1: pretty funny. You know, he was. He, uh, Warren Beatty kept, keeps keeps uh, like. Puncturing the balloon, uh, he, he, everything kept deflating for the first twenty minutes because it was all digression. Uh, but he kept asking him straightforward questions, and um, he uh, he got it got going. It finally got going, and um, um, he didn't ask him what the movie is that he intends to make. I, I've been told that Warren Beatty wants to <clears throat> direct uh, a Howard Hughes movie. That's that sounds like a kind of a bad idea to me, but I don't know that there's a, a room in in people's heads for another Howard Hughes movie after the Scorsese film called The Aviator, which is how many years ago was that? Four, five years ago, mm-hmm. six like years that. ago? It was
0: two thousand four. Yeah, it
1: was before or? Departed, so it has to be oh four. I think yeah. it was
0: oh four, yeah.
1: So I don't know, uh, and this is not for him to star, but just to direct. But again, uh, the the problem that he has to overcome, and I don't know that he can overcome it, is that uh, the town in general is persuaded that, A, he has passed his point of of being a, a vital player that people want to hear from in a creative sense, and two, if he were to get the funding, and uh, is, as good as his relationships are, and he, he has a certain you know respect and, and awe that he still draws, a lot of people were, were quite excited to be in his presence last night. But he um, takes too long, and he's and it's his movies cost too much, and uh, he's not going to ever get out from under that. So he'd have to be, he'd have to make a film like Clint Eastwood does, which is safe, quickly, and efficiently. And that uh, the likelihood of that happening, I'd say, would be slim to none. Uh, with a with a film that he you know cares about, and a project that he he's been talking about making Howard Hughes film since I, at least the nineties.
0: He... I'd love
2: to see him take you know a couple you know one or two showy supporting roles to get you know to get himself out there again and yeah. then do something you know direct something again
1: um yeah. Yeah. how Alec Baldwin physically uh looked uh like you know he could he could stand a little treadmill time
3: mm.
1: <laughs> sorry but that's uh, no, you know, no. my it's, my it's... first response to him um uh, he's bearded. He looks a little kind of, uh, you know, like a like a painter in Paris in 1955 or something. He's,
0: he's, you know, (laughs) why was why did they choose Alec Baldwin to do the Q and A? Does he have some kind of relationship with Warren Beatty?
1: Last time I saw Warren Beatty do an interview, it was with um, Bennett Miller, the director of Capote. Every time that he has ever sat for an interview, it's not its not been with one of the professional interviewing like the Leonard Maltons or or the Pete Hammonds. you know. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe he's just – I know that Baldwin does a lot of this stuff. I saw him do an interview on PBS with uh, the conductor of the New York Philharmonic when they were going to do a Tchaikovsky uh, night, and he was uh, brought in to – he does a lot of this stuff, I
0: guess. I don't know. It's probably in that circuit. Mm. Well, so that's. Well, you, do you think you'll attend the TCM festival again next year, or do you just feel like you were sort of?
1: No, no, it's it's cool on its own just to go and watch these things. It is cool. Uh, the 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 Citizen Kane that I, I saw for about uh, 45 minutes. I had never watched that film uh, in a first class uh, environment like I did last night with that big screen and pretty good projection. It looked about oh as God, good as, that's uh, incredible. as you can. What happened now?
0: Oh, nothing. I'm just. I'm just. And I'm just amazed that you got to see it that way how great yeah
1: Yeah, that's awesome (laughs) it's gonna look better I hate to say it but it's gonna look a little better when the blu-ray comes out and I can watch it on the 50 inch it's gonna look a little bit better but still I was in the theater it was almost all completely filled people were like enjoying it you know but it's basically an over 50 crowd I'd say you know over Mm. 55 you know Mm. but these are people that are are invested in in classic uh, movies and power to them it's great Yeah. I'm happy happy it's happening. I just didn't like the way they just don't seem to be interested in catering to people that are trying to make good use of their time, i.e. what I was trying to do. That's all. I'm not trying to be any special, like make way for me, you know, you know, give me special privileges. I just wanted to be able to come in at the end. That's all it was. Mm. And They wouldn't let me do that. It was a big pain in the ass.
0: No, too bad, too bad. Well, I hope that they, they continue to draw the press because I think it's something that, that the general public should hear more about and that they know they can participate in to see some of yeah. these movies. And maybe it will just sort of elevate, you know, the the population about classic cinema, hopefully. Sure. Even though it's it's all preaching to the converted right now, it's mainly just, like you say, over 50 film fans, but yeah. If they continue to invite the press and they make it more uh, available to, you know, just the general public, young people, how great would that be? They should really try to draw in the youth if they mm-hmm. can. You know, I got
1: to tell you, you, know what the most interesting image uh, of any film I've seen in the last uh, few weeks was. There's, there's an image of Sao Paulo, which I didn't know yet, but in Morgan Spurlock's film about, about uh, you know, the greatest movie ever sold. Mm-hmm uh he goes down to sao paulo and uh they have a rule that the city imposed uh about no advertising outside mm. and um uh, you know it'd be really nice to to see uh just more handmade hand painted signs and just more of a personal individual touch in in our in marketing and uh, everything is so corporatized. It's like we really are living in a 1984 Orwellian world in mm-hmm. a sense because oh, okay. it's all the same signs, the same manufacturers, the same chains everywhere you go. It's just the uniqueness of, 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 of individual thought and expression and, you know, it's, no, not, it's really, really going away. And uh, we all know that, but nobody says anything.
0: It's and, a really uh, strange time to live in. They're, they medicate children. Most adults are on medication. And the advertisers have gotten so good at targeting and telling you that you're not going to be happy unless you get what's coming to you, which is you know a new car or right. this perfume or this diet or this Botox or whatever it is, you know, where they're selling happiness as if it's something that can be obtained, which it can't be really from yeah. buying anything, from collecting stuff. It cannot be. And yet we live in this culture of co- consumption, you know. Not to start preaching
1: and acting weird. You know, it's so nice to go down to Mexico and you see uh, just over the border because uh, they don't have that corporate influence as much, and you do see hand-painted uh, mom-and-pop stores, and you know some of them are ugly because they had this tacky, you know, uh, 99 cents and below type stores. But then you see, I just love it when people make an effort to make their own signs, just to put their own talents to work to. I just – there's a wonderful little ice cream stand inside the uh, uh, the farmer's market. Do you ever go there with your daughter,
3: mm, Saucer? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah.
1: You know the ice cream stand I'm referring to?
3: Yeah.
1: It's been there since 1937. It's got wonderful yeah. little, you know, design paintings. They have my favorite flavor, chocolate malt ice cream. <laughs> I go there every time and get a chocolate malt ice cream. <laughs> <laughs>
3: sure. yeah.
1: But it's uh it's really nice to have that stuff in life. And I just – I've. Something really freezes my soul when I when I just get I feel too corporatized and too you know too there's too much of an impersonality an impersonal element in our life. I
0: think it is, and it's it's uh, really kind of a surreal experience to go to smaller towns in Italy, not so much Venice and Rome and. Um, Uh, the you know florence the bigger cities but even there but the the smaller cities on the outskirts and and to see how little advertising there is like you don't walk into a store and the tv is blaring at you the way you do here you don't stand at the gas pump and there's a video screen playing advertisements at you you know and you don't drive down the road and there are these blaring billboards that you even if you don't see them they're entering your consciousness on some level Mm -hmm. And it just, it's, we're so bombarded with it. Like when we spend time in Rimini in Italy, which is, it's such, I mean, the town hasn't changed in you know, 12 years or whatever, since I was there back in 1997, it hasn't changed at all. And you just feel this calm come over you because the people, there isn't this pressing selling at you all the time there, you know?
1: What town are we speaking of in Italy? What's it called again? It's called
0: Rimini. Rimini. It's actually Fellini's birthplace. On the coast. Yeah, it's on the coast. It's down. It's down from Venice, and it's not a, a popular place. It's not a tourist destination. You'll never see Americans there.
1: On the Adriatic.
0: Uh huh. On the Adriatic, because there's nothing particularly special about it. it but it does look like um, a beach town right out of Armacord. You know, mm-hmm. it's very. And it's where it hid
1: the actual like. Characters that he yeah. knew and made into Eve Vittelone, right? Yeah,
0: that's that's it. That's Fellini's childhood. So when you go to Rimini, it's like stepping back during uh-huh. the day. At nighttime it's a it's a nightclub discotheque place. It's kind of sleazy and gross. Uh-huh. But during the day it's this, you know, very kind of fifties architecture, piers, uh-huh. grand hotel, you know, families walking at night, eating gelato. I mean it's just it's so beautiful uh-huh. and nice there, really. Uh-huh. Very relaxing, very settling place to live. I
1: drove down from Venice once. How far uh, south of it would you say of Venice?
0: Mm, gosh, I don't know. A couple of an hour hours, or so. An hour or a so. Of yeah, hours. it's it's not. It's um. I'm trying to think if there's another town there that that would be something you might know, but uh, mm. no, none of the little beach towns, but. There are so many of them that aren't famous, you know. Like everybody knows the Positano and, and they know Capri yeah. and they know Sardinia and they know all those beautiful places, but they don't really know the Adriatic side so well, you know? Yeah. Because right. it's not a very attractive sea. It's rocky and dirty and mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I I love I love Rimini. I love the slowness of it. I just mm-hmm. think it's a great place. For me personally, it's my tastes, you know. But
1: Yeah, I think if you were to talk to uh uh, did we just lose somebody? I just heard a, a Skype sound. Come up.
2: No, I'm here. Okay. No.
1: Um I think if you were to talk to pretty much anybody uh and and you and uh three of us and three random people that we might meet at a Plex and they'll they'll all respond to that. They they everybody likes what we're discussing, which is that there's the the, the quiet, the 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 personal, the, you know. And, uh, but I don't think anybody does anything about it, just like I don't really do anything about it. We just kind of glide along, and these forces, these inexorable forces, keep getting stronger and more dominant. And, uh, and uh, aesthetically, you know, tastes are evolving and to the point where people are, are – uh, smart critics are like saying that Fast Five is a, is a really good action film. You know, I don't know what to say. I'm just like, you know.
0: well, is it? I mean, it, it. You didn't like it, but I mean, could the average? No, no, it didn't. I didn't. It's not.
1: not it's not. I didn't like it. It's shit as far <laughs> as a movie is concerned. Is it? It's just. You know. It's just. Is big it really and that loud bad? and and vivid? But it's bullshit. It's awful. Mm. It doesn't work hard to or it doesn't do the necessary work to make you uh engaged and make you kind of get get into it and, and feel the thrill of of you know trying to get away from somebody when you're driving i was didn't i say this last week i mean there was this you know youtube video that i i happened to see you know of a of a guy who had put a camera on his helmet uh that looking to the rear and looking to the front and he uh is being chased by a cop. It's a real video. It's actually happening. It's in in the rain, and kind of cold, on a on a freeway, and uh, the camera, uh, obviously edited afterwards, uh, uh, keeps cutting back between what he's what his helmet is seeing behind him, which is the cop chasing him, and then what he's looking ahead at and it's and it's kind of like goes on and on you kind of well where's the where's the thrill of this i mean the guy just keeps going and going and the cop never is too far behind and he but he can't quite pull him over and catch him and then the guy gets off uh on a ramp and he corners very hard very hard and gets off the ramp and heads off into another street and the cop tries to follow him, and the cop can't hang on to the, the tread. And he goes flying off sideways suddenly <laughs> into, the, into this wooded area, this brush, and he's dead. He's gone. And the guy gets away, and it's a great payoff.
3: Wow. I'm telling
1: you, I got more thrill out of that one YouTube thing, watching it on my 13-inch power book, than the whole movie of, of Fast Five. Because that was, like, cool. You know, I really was into that. Cause it was, and it was action, pure action.
0: Well, do we think that Phil? Do you think that this movie would have made the same money if it wasn't attached to a franchise, or do you think it's just that the franchise works? Um, people go; it's like a you know watching a, an episode of a TV show that they really like. Like they're going because they know what they're to expect. You know.
2: Oh yeah, it's all about the franchise. It's and all about, about the franchise the Yeah, yeah I mean, so it's not trust about that the movie. They know exactly what they're getting. Yeah, um, they know what they're getting, and they. It's delivered to them. And I think the reason why a lot of critics gave it a pass is simply that, you know, you, when you go to see something like Fast Five, you set the bar so low in your own head before you even watch it so, You know what I mean? You say, this is not going to be good. This is going to be good. And it, when, when it hits that low mark, and it, and, it, and it does, it hits a very low mark that you set for it, then you say, wow, great job. It accomplished what it wanted to do. But is that really an accomplishment? You know, not really. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. so oh. and the next Fast and Furious movie will make a lot of money too. Then we have to assume because it doesn't really right. matter if it's good or bad; people will still go see it. And
1: you know, Sasha, that if you were in uh, at Universal and it was your job to generate money-making films, I and if it were my job. And if Phil had the same job, we all three would, without blinking an eye, make sure that we made another fast, uh, a fast six. You know, we we would definitely have it come out.
0: If we wanted would, to keep our jobs.
1: Absolutely. I would. No, I wouldn't even think about it. Uh, but I I would say to them, could we try to make this a little better this time so that you can actually really get into it and have a good time? You know? yeah, uh, and, and I would be laughed out of the office and, uh, you know. <laughs> told to go get uh, coffee for everybody if I said that. So. Yeah. One thing I was trying to say, by the way, to Warren Bade last night that uh, would have uh, stopped the show, Cole, but <clears throat> have you ever seen uh, a, a picture, a photograph of the actual John Reed, who he plays in Reds?
0: I think I did once go down the Google rabbit hole on those people, yeah.
1: I read a book about John Reed, uh, Romantic Revolutionary, when I was mm-hmm. seeing the film. Mm-hmm. If you look at pictures of John Reed, there's an actor who looks like him. A lot uh and that actor is Patton Oswalt <laughs> wow <laughs> it's, so.
3: it's, it's
1: really true they do look alike and oh, uh God. John Reed was a little on the pudgy side he wasn't tall um didn't look a l- even a little bit like Warren Beatty mm. you
0: know? well it's a, it's, you know uh the one that Diane Keaton played didn't really look like her either you know they didn't neither of them were that good looking
1: Louise Bryant, Louise was, not, Bryant uh, was
0: not as good-looking. No, no, not like Dan Keaton.
1: She didn't even for the time. She didn't have a kind of a...
0: And that she didn't look as good. But And then, of course, Eugene O'Neill is probably the only one who did actually, it, was more attractive than Jack Nicholson.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was pretty nice-looking guy. He yeah, was tall. He, was... he had a striking mustache and yeah. uh, not a bad-looking fellow. A really yeah.
0: good-looking man, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so what would, do you think Warren Beatty would have said about that?
1: Uh, well, the uh, the question would just be, don't you well, don't you uh, see a strong similarity between John Reed and Patton Oswald? And uh, it would have been a you know funny moment, but he would probably would know, <laughs> have <laughs>
0: Did you get to ask any questions? Did you raise your hand? And
1: I was feeling so bummed out by even being there because Aww. of those TCM Classic Movie Festival people standing? around, making yeah. sure nobody put, takes out their iPhone and, and takes a picture because the rule was very, very emphatic. You know, we cannot have photography. And I wasn't going to do it, of course. I was going to go along with them. But I just felt the vibe in there. It was like being at a uh, like a police convention and a bunch of patrolmen sitting around, you know, making sure nobody uh, lights a cigarette or something. You know, I just felt it was like I'm not relaxed in here. You know, it's not – I don't like uh, the vibe that they create.
0: Oh god that's that's
1: yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. Mm. You know there, there it's you know the, uh, one time I was a publicist back in the 80s and I had uh I I did the PR work for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 for New Line. And uh there was a kind of a Freddy mania thing going on and I felt that that was a kind of a groundswell. There was a, there was a, people were objectifying Freddy Krueger as a, as a kind of a cult figure, a pop figure. He wasn't the guy to be scared of. He was the guy to think he's kind of a darkly cool on some level, you know? Mm-hmm. And people coming to screenings dressed as Freddy Krueger. So there was like a little thing going on and I, I got some kind of, you know, social trend pa- pieces that I got out of it. And uh, uh, Robert England dressed up as Freddy Krueger and uh, we went to a theater. The former National Theater on uh, Times Square back in '85, and uh, uh, there was so much security there that the people who he was there to kind of like sign autographs and say hello. There were so many security guys, big, heavy guys. You know, they always get the big, fat ones. You know, that are like six foot five or whatever. And the idea they were they're projecting such don't try anything cuz we are going to so come down on you if you if you make one move to to you know get close to this guy and it kind of killed the vibe you know people were not relaxed about it it was just like you can overdo the security thing you know you have to trust people i know that there are looney tunes out there who who occasionally do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing but you got to risk that you know the 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 give and take of of humanity you have to kind of accept that you know if if you're a movie star and people want to See you and maybe talk to you, maybe get an autograph, take a picture or something. You just got to relax and let it happen.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. yeah. I remember hearing stories about, you know, CinemaCon before this year was called Show West. And, you know, they always trot out the celebrities and say, and they do their spiels and everything. But it used to be John Wayne would go walk around and and talk to all the exhibitors, you know, and shake their hands and, and really get to know them. And those days are gone, you know, and it's unfortunate because there's a detachment that. Exist because of that, you know.
0: Yeah. So, well, on that depressing note,
2: I think we're at the <laughs> hour <and> fifteen mark. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's uh do yeah. So we're at a an hour yeah. and um eleven minutes. Okay. We can we can. Talk a little bit about Tarantino if you want here at the end, or we can. Oh, just... by the
1: way, you know, I don't know why I said this is the last one. This is stupid. Obviously, it's not the last one. I said uh, that next week I will be, uh, which is to say next Sunday, I will be in New York, and Sasha, you will still be here, right?
0: Uh, I think that Sunday morning is when we fly out.
1: Oh, you're leaving on Sunday morning, and you're going to arrive in France then on Monday.
0: Yeah, we'll be there on the ninth.
1: You're going to be there on the 9th. Isn't is that what Monday. we're supposed
0: to be doing? Because doesn't it start on the 10th? Or how does it work again?
1: Well, I'm going to go back to the thing because right? I'm a little... well, We are now in the month of May. It is May 1st today. Mm-hmm. The festival actually kicks off. <laughs> this is funny because <laughs> uh, Sasha twice got there too late. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the festival really begins. you got to hit the ground running with your badge on the morning of Monday, May 11th. But everybody makes sure that they are there by Tuesday to, you know, get get your check into your place and get your badge and, you know, meet everybody uh, for the La Pizza thing on the evening of the 10th. So you're going to be in there on the 9th. So you're going to be there a little, like a day early.
0: Shit. How did I mess that up again?
1: It's not. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. I mean, uh, you mean the tenth is when and, we're
0: going to be driving up to the thingy?
1: Yes, that's that's when it is Tuesday. Oh my
0: God, you're kidding! I leave
1: on Monday the month. Oh, no, no, I did it either.
0: again, Jeff.
1: It's okay. You didn't make it bad because you've got a day of, of relaxation and, and hanging out with your daughter and doing all kinds of things. And so. that's
0: true. So we're we're her. She and I are going to be there. Yeah. Well, God, though, because just neither here nor there, but one of the reasons she was so bummed out was because i was going to be leaving on mother's day okay so i really only had to fly on monday to be there yeah. on the right time yeah damn but
1: you do have this full day where very little <laughs> I, gonna happen.
0: What's In wrong fact, I
1: wouldn't me. be surprised if they're not even open at the festival office I mean, they may not even be open until uh you know the day before who knows but Monday. No, it's, open it's, it's on something to look forward to you guys can have a good time
0: don't they open on the ninth there?
1: Uh, then probably I would think if I were running it, I would certainly make sure it was open that week. But um, but you'll you'll have plenty of time you know, to do it. No,
0: it'll be good. It'll get us. We'll yeah. be able to unpack and get settled in, and sure. you know, yeah, get
1: some extra sleep. You know, right, right. Or whatever you feel, it'll, it'll be good.
0: Set up good. our little kitchen.
1: That's why I am going to go to New York as I <clears throat> when I used to go uh, from here, and now I'm obviously back here, but. Um, New York for three or four days, get used to East Coast time, then go over. And it's not so crazy because it really plays havoc with your system if you fly straight from here. Yeah, that's a a good idea.
0: That's an experienced Cannes Film Festival goer to do something like that. (laughs) So where are you staying in New York?
1: I've been uh, given a place on Greenwich Avenue very close to Chambers Street. Which is about four or five blocks south of uh, Robert De Niro's Tribeca Grill, that down the, in that area. Very nice. cool,
0: Miriam. Uh, nice. You should so, try to go see Warhorse while you're in town.
1: The only uh, ticket that I have right now are tickets to see Ben Stiller and um, and uh, uh, um, uh, what's it? Um, you know, from the um, Edie uh, Falco mm. um, in. Um, uh, the House of Blue Leaves, the John Guare film. Oh, great, uh,
0: great! But you should try to see War Horse because that's <laughs> going to be a big Oscar movie.
1: I can't bring myself to pay hundreds of dollars to see uh, plays uh, that are uh, like that. That it's it's isn't it on uh, being priced like a musical?
0: Mm, I guess isn't
1: so. It, is it? It's not a musical, is it?
0: No, it's a drama. Yeah. But but the, right. the puppetry is supposed to be amazing. You should right. check it out. Look on YouTube or on, on, online and check out the puppetry. It, it really is like mind-boggling how realistic the horses look.
1: Well, um, I, I have seen Equus on stage twice. I thought that was really magnificent and that was people and everything. I think I have the general idea of how that might be. Or, I don't think or, so.
0: I think you got to look on YouTube and, you, and you'll see what I'm talking about when you look at the videos of, of the horses. Which is interesting because when Spielberg does it, obviously he'll be using real horses. So it sort of takes away the thing about the War Horse show that makes it so special, which is the puppetry. But um, Um, You're saying that on on the
1: show uh, they use video images of horses in the play,
0: right? No, no. In the play they use puppets. Hand puppets? Puppets, yes, incredible hand puppets. These really unbelievably realistic-looking puppets that are insane. I mean, I saw the video of them, and it really looks like a real horse. It's bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. And so it's worth seeing the show for that. Okay. So check it out. By the way,
1: I'm looking at a picture of John Reed and Louise Bryant. I just found one. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, John Reed does look like Patton Oswalt. He is kind of barrel-chested. I don't know how tall he was exactly, but she is pretty short. And I'm looking at her face. She's not unattractive.
0: Well, right, but she's not as pretty as... Um,
1: she's not drop-dead ravishing. She she doesn't have that Diane Keaton air, but she's not... She, you know, she's okay. She's kind of a nice-looking lady, you know?
0: N- yeah, neither of them are very good-looking, actually. Mm. <laughs> You've ruined it's, the illusion. You know, there's something, you know, I've, I've been
1: called a blunt-spoken person. I can't bring myself to say a person that is bad-looking or, you know. Uh, the word ugly, I've never been able to use that. How can you call anybody ugly, you know?
0: Well, most people aren't ugly unless they're, you know, like Sarah Palin and they're awful people.
1: That I can say ugly, yes, exactly. Right.
0: No, she was okay-looking. She was okay-looking, sort of manly. Yeah. But, um... You know, they weren't they weren't like you're right about John John Reed. Um well no. Anthony Hopkins has a little bit of John Reed in him, I would say. Uh you know, he's got the, the bug eyed thing going on. hmm hmm Um certainly yep. doesn't look like Warren Beatty, that's for sure. <laughs> 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 look, if you're born pretty, you're never gonna be John Reed. Let's just face.
1: That. He's um he's really pretty in that film. He was a very pretty man. Um
0: he was pretty. This was-
1: he was like 42, 43, and he's really quite quite, uh, quite nice on the eyes.
0: Yeah, uh, all three of them, Diane Keaton, Warren Beatty, and Jack Nicholson are just eye candy all the yeah. way through. And in fact, in that movie, my favorite scenes are with Jack Nicholson and, and her and Diane yeah. Keaton. Those are some really, maybe some of the most romantic scenes I've ever seen in a movie at all. I love their love story in that
1: one of my favorite lines is <clears throat> is when he says to her that if you were my uh, girlfriend yeah. i would never leave you alone with your work
0: oh god it's um, so great isn't it it's so it's to <laughs> me anybody who watches that movie usually agrees with me that he's the far more attractive of the two men you know yeah He's uh, like the hump. It's one of the Bogart. great
2: supporting performances of all time, I think too. I mean, he just comes in and knocks it out of the park.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, and especially I love the scene where she comes <laughs> back and she tries to, <laughs> she tries to rekindle it with him and he's just so mad, you know, and he really hands it to her. That's a great scene too. <clears throat> uh-huh. Okay. Well so, let's right. uh,
1: uh ignite again. So you're leaving one more time. God, uh, how I really early screwed in the day, Sasha? When I'm, do you leave?
0: Somebody needs to manage my life for me. I'm so I'm such an idiot. No, you're
1: I think you made a good thing, really. No. You're, you're you're fine. But what time in the day will you depart on Sunday? Let's just get early, this straight right early, now. Early,
0: like six it's like six AM or something hideous like that.
1: No kidding. You're leaving that early. I
0: swear to God. I mean I'll double check, oh my but God. <laughs> no, it's oh, horrible. Wow. I know, I'm I'm not a person who makes very good choices. I'll put it that
1: way. All right, so you leave at 6 a.m. and then you're going to fly straight all the way to Nice from
0: Los Angeles. Um, no, they don't have okay. any direct flights. It'll all be right. some kind of connecting thing. I think it goes to. Um, it goes to through Paris or something like that, you know. I'll maybe, Do you get I'll to hang go.
1: out a little bit at uh, Charles de Gaulle Airport? Yeah, here it is. Switch? Here
0: it is. Here's the here's the the tragedy. I leave. We leave at six fifteen a.m. from Los Angeles, which means we have to be at the airport at four a.m. Oh, you we, don't?
1: Have, no, not you. No, you don't. Not at four. Not at that time of day. You can get there at five. And 4:30. then
0: we fly to Seattle, and then from Seattle to Paris, and then from Paris to Nice, and we get into Nice on the ninth at eleven fifty-five a.m.
1: Uh, how much time will there be for the layover in Paris? Mm.
0: Um, just two hours. So that's not too mm. bad. I love Paris. Well, at
1: least you have it broken up, so that's not too bad, and uh, you get to uh, be in Seattle and breathe the air in Seattle for an hour or so.
0: Yeah, and then when we fly back, we're just going from Par- we're going from Nice to Paris to L.A., so we don't have to yeah. do a Seattle um, thing, and then we're leaving on the nineteenth. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you're right. And now that I have an extra day, that means that I can do something fun with Emma. That's that's a really yeah. good thing.
1: All right. Looking forward to um uh uh then so let's so we either need to do this on Saturday. Why don't we do that? You wanna try for that? Be different and do it on Saturday?
0: Okay, let's try for that. Can you do that Yeah, do, that do Saturday?
2: It's you know, fine, and I'll know the uh you know the basic scope of things yeah. by Saturday. I we I all do so anyway. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Okay. That sounds good. All right, all right.
0: guys. Nice talking okay, to you. Again. You well. you guys soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com, and Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com. You can find us on Twitter. We have a dedicated Twitter now, Oscar Podcast, or Jeff it can be found at Wells H. Wood and Sasha can be found at Awards Daily and Phil can be found at Phil Box Office until next week thanks for listening